You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Padres Social Hour, final show of the week. Thank you for joining us. Thursdays are great days because Don and Mud are here. No reason to delay. Let's just get them here. Uh, Don Orsillo, Mark Grant, great TV voices of the Padres on Fox Sports San Diego. Uh, old friend uh, Ben Davis will join us coming up a little bit later as well. Uh, ben, the former Padre, we talked about him a lot this week, bunting against Kurt Schilling in the eighth inning of a perfect game back in 2001. Uh, great to see you two gentlemen. I know we got Friar Friday tomorrow with the Padres and the Mariners. Don, uh, how's the fishing these days? Uh, not so good. I have caught like nothing the last three times I've been out. I was out most of the day today and uh, no fish. Yeah, this day three of this situation. I've got a streak going right now. I don't think Cal Ripken is in jeopardy, but at the same time, I cannot seem to catch a fish anymore. Don, know, my, question is, my question yeah. to you is you are the fisherman. Poor K. Why? What are the conditions? I, I, I think that's part of it. You can see it's cloudy and a lot of the stuff I use, I use lures that uh, really the sun helps. So I think that's an issue. I do think that the conditions are, are an issue. I also think the tides have been an issue so far. The times that I've chosen to fish, not great fishing time. So I think, I think there are a couple things and some bad luck, to be honest with you. You know what I hear? I, I hear excuses, Don. There, there, there are I, many I can't answer it. All I know is I can't catch a fish all of a sudden. It, it's used, unbelievable. I, used, I don't know what's going on. You use live bait? You, I, I, you, you said uh, no. lures, some fake lures, like with shiner, shining stuff on it? Yeah, like spinners. And then spinners. I have a squid. And I've been using shrimp lately, which have been pretty good. And, and now nothing. Nothing is working. So are you I'm eating just, the shrimp? Is that the problem? You're supposed to put it on uh, the hook. It could be part of it, yes. Uh, but no, I, I'm just in a rut. I'm just uh, right now. I'm slumping. That's that's right. the problem. But uh, mm. I, I I will figure it out. I, I'm sure of it. Well, as long as you're having fun out there, that's what matters. Well, that's um, the thing. I mean, it's just great being out on the water. Yeah, I'm with you. By the way, there's a there's a hashtag for everything, right? Like we all know this. You know, everything has a hashtag. Yeah. Every hashtag is taken. If we can put Don's tweet back up there, Cole, in a second. So you did the hashtag no fish day three because this is the third consecutive day that you have not caught fish. I actually went on my computer while we were talking and I clicked it. Mm-hmm. It is the only tweet to come up. <laughs> You're the only person ever to tweet hashtag no fish day three. That's incredible. So everybody else has caught fish inside of three days, I guess. That's the case. So tomorrow you can change it to a four, and you'll probably be the same one, right? I hope not. Well, I mean, it's 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 got to stop. It's got to end. I mean, it, you now, get to the point where you're just casting. You're not fishing. Now, I heard that when it's overcast, it's greater chance to catch fish because when it's sunny, they go deeper, and they don't. Right. I mean, this is true. Yeah, no, it flies in the face of everything that uh, you, you know. Yeah. No, it's not good. I, I don't know what's happening. Well, we got to get you know, offshore a little bit too. I think get you out of the bay. Keep a couple casting. miles out. That's Could where the be. real fun is right now. Deeper, the bigger water, the bigger fish. Yeah, mm, you're going to need a bigger yeah. boat. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mudcat, how, how are things in the pine? Things are well. Um, let's see. What did I do today? I moved my son into his new apartment. That was fun. Uh, caught a rat up in the attic. Sweet. Um, nice. Had the air conditioning service today. What else was exciting out here at the double wide? Uh, that's about it. Very Not uneventful. Bad. Very uneventful. Well, you have you have the central air is what you have out there. We do well. It's a swamp cooler. We uh, we have the uh, the big ice cubes that are brought in. Then we have a fan that kind of goes over the the ice to, to, to the, the cool air and and it like cools everything down. It's a good old fashioned swamp cooler. <laughs> what do you what do you call somebody who's from Alpine? Alpinian. Uh, what about somebody from Coronado? Uh, very privileged. <laughs> uh, nice people, people, islanders. Yeah, not nice people. Friendly. It's an isthmus, Fine. by the way. It's not an island. Everybody mm-hmm. watching, you've been fooled all these years. It's it's eyewash. It's not an island. You're saying it's, it's Fugazi. It's, an it's a it's a peninsula, somewhat of. It's a Fugazi right. island. 
Uh, all right, Ben Davis coming up. We'll have our KBO fun. We'll do all that. Uh, we'll start with the baseball 2020 news. Not great. Not like the best 48 hours uh, in terms of it all. I, I guess, guys, the thing that, that I've been saying over and over again, and, and I guess first we'll catch up everybody on the news. So the players uh, last night, you know, they started making comments and Max Scherzer had a tweet out there. It was pretty forceful. They did not like uh, what came back from Major League Baseball. They said as much. Uh, they're now saying, hey, we kind of want to stick with what we saw as the agreement from March. Uh, where we're saying you guys pay us, you know, for every game we play and that's it. We're not taking further cuts. Uh, Also, they are uh, perhaps going to say, you know what, let's play more than 81, 82 games, whatever it might be. Let's see if we can get to 100 or 110 games. That way we can, uh, you know, try and make a little bit more or, you know, something like that. So we're waiting on kind of the official response from the players, but their unofficial response uh, that kind of started trickling out last night was not great. Um, I I guess, though, what I was going to say, Don, was, this is one of those things that was never going to go perfectly smooth. Uh, I think it was probably always going to be a little bit of a tennis match back and forth, uh, maybe a rough tennis match at times. Um, and and so I guess the advice I've continued to give both myself and people watching the show is kind of take a breath, try not to get you know too over-involved with every little bit of play-by-play here uh, because there, there's quite a bit on the line and, and still some time to try and figure things out. Yeah, you know, I, I think the, you know, it's, everything is so now newsy, you know, as far as what's coming out. I mean, uh, having lived through, and Mud, certainly you know this better as a, a former member of the union as well. Uh, but, you know, back in 94, there was, you just didn't hear as much about what was going on in the negotiations publicly. And now everything seems to be leaking uh, from both sides. And I, and I think it makes both sides not look so great. You know, I, I think if it was uh, more to themselves, more private, the negotiations and what's gone back and forth and what's been offered. Uh, it may be less under the microscope than it currently is. Cause I, I think people are now lining up against uh, the owners and lining up against the players, depending upon which, which way they fall. Um, but I, I think that's part of it is we're, we're, we're kind of getting this in, in some cases ahead of some of the players who have been uh, not yet told or communicated with what it was that the offer was uh, it's already on social media. What what's mm-hmm. there. And they're reading these numbers and uh, the, you know, the, the formula that they had that was a, projected or alleged um, this new formula that was out boy it, it really did look very unfair to the players who uh, you know were looking at uh, basically 82 games 50 percent of what their salary was going to be so a 50 percent reduction basically uh, has now turned into depending on who you are whether you're Manny Machado or someone along those lines getting less than a third of what you're getting so it's more like a 70 percent cut uh, reduction so I, I mean there seems like there's some huge gaps here uh, that need to be figured out and, and for me the thing that I'm most concerned about is the the timing I mean I, I'm, I'm glad that they're talking don't get me wrong but I, I just feel like um, this is going to take some time and really we don't have a lot of time if we're going to get the players on the field in mid-June and playing Major League Baseball the first week of July. So I'm just hopeful that it all gets done. My opinion, Jesse and Don, is that social media does play a big part, as Donnie mentioned. Uh, Everything is minute to minute. And I've been a firm believer of letting your either team rep, Austin Hedges, speak or your union leader speak. And I know in the ages of social media these days, it's so easy to get on there and say something and send it. Uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, Max Scherzer. I'm sure there's been other guys out there too that said some. I think it's it's tough to you got to bite your tongue as a player and let your union rep, your team rep, or the union guys, the lawyers, whoever, say there to back up what you feel. And because I think it don't, can only hurt you. Um, that's my personal opinion. Now the back and forth thing. I mean, th- isn't this negotiating 101? Uh, it's good. I want to know this. I want to know when the point of no return is going to be. When are they going to come out and say, okay, this is the drop dead date. This is X X because once that's set, then I think the wheels are going to start turning quickly. And and Don mentioned being a former player and, you know, being uh, locked out one spring and with the the possibility of going on straight, it always got down to the 11th hour. Um, How they come up with a resolution, who knows? That's why, you know, those guys make the big bucks and that's why, you know, they're lawyers and that's why they're, that's their, uh, their craft. So, you know, social media, stay off the social media. Don't, uh, don't you know, start ripping agents or whatever, even if you feel you're right, whatever. I, I say stay clear of that. Let your team rep or the union guy and back and forth. I mean, it's, it's just going to get down to the 11th hour once they come to a point of no return date. That's that's my feel. Yeah, I, well, I think I, you hit on. 
Go ahead. I was just going to ask some just of Mike because I'm really curious. I mean, I've talked to a lot of ex-players um, who we're friends with and, and people that we work with, and a lot of them are concerned that the players are going to uh, perhaps give in and give too much and mm-hmm. kind of uh, go back on what they all sacrificed to go right. through so many of those work stoppages mm-hmm. to give the players what it is that they have now. I mean, the whole system is in place because of what they sacrificed. Right. I mean, is that a concern you have as a former player? As a Short answer to that. Here's what I say. And once again, I am not, I'm not an attorney, but I learned a little bit listening to Donald fear uh, because he was head. Michael Weiner was there when, when I was playing back in the day, I've always learned that you don't give up something you already have. And I know there's been some things in the past that the players have cracked on and given up that they've already had. Uh, I don't want to get into that right now, but just as a general negotiating 101 type term or phrase you just don't give up something that you've already negotiated for so from a player standpoint they've got to stick that type of stuff and i can see where the owners on the other hand are going to try to you know present their deal what they want hopefully they come to a happy medium that's all that's the short answer i got on that one i I think mud in your first reply you you hit on to me what are the two biggest things one is a deadline and it's going to be more difficult to get this done if they don't set a hard Mm -hmm. deadline and they can create it arbitrarily. They can say, hey, June 10th is, is when we need to get this done or July for, I don't know, you know, in order to play X number of games, we need to have this thing figured out because like odds are it gets figured out two minutes before that deadline. You know, that's just generally the way things work. Um, now, I also understand to this point, they're hesitant in setting a deadline because you don't want to do it too early and say, hey, we have to have this done by June 1st when maybe you get to June 1st and you think to yourself, boy, if we had two more days, that would have been great. So like there's a, a time and place almost to set a deadline and we're probably approaching that. Um, but I understand why they haven't done it yet. Yeah. You guys remember in 95, the replacement spring training, remember yes. all the replacement players were playing. I do. Yes. You remember that situation? They were getting ready to board charters to go start the season and the players association or whatever said, Hey, okay, we're going to call off the jam. I don't know whether it was the owners or the players, whatever. But the bottom line, like Jesse said, and Don, you said, you know, there was a time where they said, okay, this is, we're going to start and bang 11th hour. They didn't board the charters and they got uh, the 95 season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 2002 or 2000, I think it was my second season, 2002. We were on the bus, uh, the media contingent and the broadcasters as our team was voting as to whether or not they were going to strike. And we were supposed to go to Cleveland, but we weren't sure if we were going because mm. they were possibly going to strike. I think it was 02. Might have been. Uh, and, but I, I remember that scenario. I remember that scenario. Yeah, and we sure. waited, we waited, waited. And all of a sudden, the players started coming out of the building, yeah. and they were getting on the buses. They're like, okay, 11th yeah. hour. I guess we figured this out. And they yeah. did. So yeah. there was no stoppage, and that's led to this lengthy uh, piece that's gone on. The, the other thing Mud hit on that I think is right is negotiation 101. And, and that's an important thing to keep in mind here. Like what the, the owners sent the players on Tuesday was never going to be like, <laughs> perfect, let's go. You know, I mean, that's just the nature of these things. You don't walk into a car dealership most of the time and say, yeah, I'll pay whatever the sticker price is. It, it's that kind of thing, obviously, with a lot more zeros and complicating factors. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think anybody paying any attention to this at all ever expected Tuesday to be like, OK, cool. Like, where do I sign? Um, and, and this is unfortunately playing out perhaps more in the public than any of us would like. Um, but, you know, it, that's, I guess, what happens sometimes. But like this is sort of in a weird way what's supposed to be happening right now. The two sides going back and forth. Yeah. Behind closed doors would be better. More congenial would be better. Um, but like they're supposed to negotiate. They're two very powerful entities trying to get something from one another. And, and I think for any of us to be able to sit back and be like, I wish it was a lot quieter. Like, I get that. But, you know. This is negotiating, and that's that's mm-hmm. what's going on right here. From a, a fan perspective, because we're all talking about this perhaps more in a business perspective because we work for teams, and, and that's part of it. Um, this is, I think, something everybody has to keep in mind. And I'll use Cheryl as the example here, but I'm seeing several comments like it, and I see it on social media every day. This is what your average fan thinks and sees right now. Just figure it out already. The average fan doesn't want to hear about the number of zeros on the check and how different it could be. And and Don, I can't emphasize enough. If there are any owners or players uh, listening or watching to us right now, just keep that somewhere in mind. Your average fan probably doesn't want to hear any of this. Just play ball, guys. That's all they want to say. 
there's so many people who are out of work right now uh, across the country. And, and that, that that's one part of it to me that I, I kind of worry about uh, when this is all over. I mean, yeah, they definitely don't want to have uh, or, or see millionaires fighting with billionaires over, you know, what what the deal is going to be just figure it out. I get that whole vantage point. But the thing that concerns me a little bit about this whole thing with everybody and the the number of unemployed people right now and people who are struggling, uh, who are dealing with deductions to their salary or furloughs or anything else, you're in a situation now where when they do come back, how many people are going to be able to go spend 500 bucks for a family of four uh, at a ballpark and how many people will feel safe enough to go back to a ballpark and sit with 30,000 other people or, you know, what, the, what are the rules mm-hmm. going to be? So, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, it, it'll be great when fans come back, but I mean, the question is, are all the fans going to come back? I'm not sure they are. And I, and I don't know what impact that's going to have. And it's all part of uh, the worry we have about our game right now. You know, it, it just, um, sparked a memory. You were talking about it, uh, Don, and I think it goes back again to 95 because I remember when Larry Lucchino was president of the club and everything was in the process of getting back, he was at a press conference and he said simply, if, if there's something as a ball club, we want that. We just want the fans back. We just want you back. I think no matter what happens, I think that, I mean, I think that's one of the good things about baseball is that it kind of rejuvenates itself, even though things can get bad at times negotiating, whether it's, um, you know, the CBA or whatever the case may be. I think it has a a tendency to cure itself. And once it gets back rolling, it kind of like is the medicine to get everybody happy again and get everybody back into the baseball mood. I don't know. That's just what I feel. So I, I just hope that, you know, here are both sides. You said millionaires and billionaires. I just hope, you know, both sides are doing quite well to where hopefully they can find a happy medium and make everybody else happy. So we can get back to watching baseball. Jesse, one more point on that uh, as far as the timing goes and where I was going with the timing, too. There are logistics here, too, that I think people forget about. I mean, just because you go to the 11th hour to get this thing done, well, okay, great. Now we've agreed we're going to play games. But that's going to include travel. That's going to include hotels. That's going to include buses. That's going to include the scheduling, all this stuff. And that just doesn't happen overnight. I mean, that that, that's going to take some time uh, for the traveling secretaries to do all that, plan out everything that needs to, to actually get this thing done so I, I do believe that there while there have been soft deadlines i really feel like in order to get this done um there really are deadlines in place no question and and along those lines i've seen a couple of people or national writers mostly suggest in the last 24 hours or so hey while this is all going on in the foreground in the background you would hope that a they're planning on everything you did like all right if we are able to start on this date here's what the schedule would be so you can start making some of those arrangements and b let's not forget about the health agreement uh and the safety agreement that still needs to be ironed out that's a lot less contentious that's a lot more everybody's generally on the same page it's more details as opposed to the big picture um that okay let's all take a breath from the economic stuff we know it's going to have to be settled but if we can line everything else up first then all right once we know we we handle the uh the money aspect of it the rest can kind of fall into place but you're right it there's a lot to do and uh everybody's got to try and get it done you also make a very good point about 2021 whether for health reasons or financial reasons um i i think it it perhaps is naive to think it'll just go back to normal you know next year or even the year after there there could be lingering effects here of all of this Um, I've said a couple of times this week, I feel badly in a way for baseball because they are in such a more complicated position than some of these other sports. Uh, We talked about it in particular with the NHL this week. They're going to come back and they're trying their sort of postseason plan here, two hub cities. It's a lot easier trying to play a month or six weeks worth of playoff games as opposed to an entire season, even if it is an abbreviated one like baseball is the plan. And today we got more news about more leagues around the globe coming back, uh, beginning with the English Premier League, which I think is the most watched pro sports league uh, in the entire world. Uh, The Manchester Derby and everything else uh, will be coming back in June. And uh, the idea, of course, is to try and uh, finish off their regular season. They don't have a playoffs um, it's just uh, where you finish is where you are. Liverpool is going to win the league. Uh, they could clinch it as, as early as their very first game, uh, but they're going to play a couple of games in a couple of weeks and then get everybody sort of caught up and uh, try and play the rest of their thing. Health permitting. That's the other thing that's come out of this is that, you know, they're saying if we can uh, pull it off from a, a health standpoint, we'll do it. But they've figured out the money and all that. Uh, they're not the only soccer league coming back. Uh, the German soccer league is already returned. Also Serie A uh, in Italy 
uh, has been cleared to return for June 20th. So you're seeing stuff like that happen. Obviously, that gives you some kinds of encouragement, I think, though every situation is different, both in terms of the country, the sport, the nature of the sport, where the sport is at in their season. But it isn't all good news. Uh, We talked about the Boston Marathon I guess at the beginning of this month uh, on what would have been Patriots Day uh, today, you know, they had uh, delayed the Boston Marathon or postponed it at that point. Today, they announced uh, it has been officially canceled. The idea originally, I guess, was they would try and play it in September or run it in September. And uh, that's that's not going to happen this year. So it will be 2020, a year of a lot of firsts, including one for a long time without a Boston Marathon. Don, obvious person to talk to here. I mean, I remember discussing it when Patriots Day rolled around. Red Sox play that 11 a.m. game that day. You got the marathon. It's such a unique and cool sports day in that city. Yeah, this will be the first time that it has not been run, that it has been canceled. Uh, It's never happened before, and it's 124 years uh, of existence. So this is very rare. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest with you, because they they did push it off till September, uh, postponed it from that first week of April, where it is always held that Monday Patriots Day in Boston. And they decided they're going to hold it off till September and just decided things weren't going to be ready to do that and have people come out and have that many people in the city at the same time. Uh, and you see the proximity in which, of course, they're all running. That gathering just is not going to work in social distancing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I understand why it happened. But, yeah, this is a first for a lot of different things. Donnie, I ask you this, my friend, and Jesse, you can chime in as well. What would you finish the Boston Marathon in? Do we need a calendar? Uh, I'm not sure I could, period. I, honestly, I mean, it, you know, it would definitely be – it would take me a whole day. Hmm. <laughs> it's amazing it is the just guy, incredible the guys these guys yeah. that are finishing first and second here what are these? uh there's two little over two like seven minute miles is that is like that, or is it like two or something is there times yeah but it's like it's there. like five minute miles five and a half minute miles oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. i think they average time. i i don't know i, I they got to average around like six right six something seven something i can't do the math in my head somebody who's a, a real runner can let us know it's quick. I know that yeah. it's very quick because. And, and the other thing, like you mentioned, Donnie, 124 years, that's quite a tradition, man. That is a long time. The cool part for us was that, you know, you play that Patriots Day game. It's the only place where you have a morning game uh, in Major League Baseball. And it's every year mm-hmm. uh, at Fenway Park. You know, we would start at 1030 in the morning or 11. It, it changed uh, in the middle. But the way it was lined up was that the first set of runners, the guys you just saw, were coming into Kenmore Square. And you could see. Uh, from our booth, them coming into Kenmore Square, the the first the winners, the you know the finalists uh, for both men's women's uh, coming in. So that that was always kind of special. And that's why it was kind of set up so that when the game was over, uh, back when they played two and a half hour games, uh, fans would then go from Fenway Park down into Kenmore Square to to go to the finish line. And actually, sadly, the year of the marathon bombing that took place in the Boston Marathon, that's exactly what happened. We had a walk off. Uh, Mike Napoli hit a double off the wall, and then fans went from there to the finish line and then the two explosions took place um, mm. which was unbelievable in 2013 but uh, that's the way it's set up and uh it's it's sort of sad they're not going to have it this year it really is yeah so i got a i got a trivia question for you guys ah. jess you might be a little too young do you remember who it was in 1980 who uh the woman who jumped in a cab and finished the in new york uh rosie ruiz rosie yeah. ruiz nice yeah i took the Not subway the that's hey, how i would finish, finish the boston one. marathon take the subway for like i don't know 20 miles of it and then pop out refreshed ready to go She's like not even sweating she looks like she just you know hey how you doing i'm here uh, and and they didn't catch her right away right like it's oh no i want to say weeks afterwards i mean she not she, a big chunk of the race just eliminated just come up yep. the steps from the subway and just all of a sudden you're back in the race <laughs> we had josh cox on the show last week a big padre fan and and was a professional runner now he's an agent and you were talking about marathons and how long that is he ran 50 k's hmm. like two marathons basically right like uh, that's unbelievable no chance. I, I've got some friends out here in Alpine who are runners, and uh, like I'll see them at the grocery store or something, and he'll say, "Oh, I did an 18 mile today." <laughs> what? <laughs> like it's just a thing. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I think I'll do 18 miles today. <laughs> really? I walk four, and I'm exhausted. I walk to the refrigerator, and I pull my hamstring, and I want to take a nap. <laughs> I'm picturing you like rolling around on the kitchen floor, holding your hamstring (laughs) with a ho-ho in my hand. Exactly. (laughs) 
Uh, we get you to reenact that for uh, for the next week. Um, <laughs> all right. So this week we spent some time talking about Ben Davis and Kurt Schilling. It's one of those just like lightning rod things that's happened in baseball. Uh, it was uh, earlier this week, May whatever of 2001. Uh, for those who don't remember, basically, uh, Kurt Schilling was dominating the Padres. Uh, they would go on to win the World Series that year, of course, the Diamondbacks. And uh, he goes into the eighth inning with a perfect game. Uh, ben Davis comes to the plate. He had a couple of just miserable at-bats against Schilling, who was very locked in. Mud, were you doing the game? I believe so. Yeah. And uh, Ben Davis bunts to second base for a base hit to break up the perfect game. Bob Brenly's still upset about it. And it's one of those great, like, unwritten rule arguments that, that we can have. What do you remember at the time, Mud, having been there? You know, now that I recall, because Rick Sutcliffe and I were doing games, really good analysts, Sut, love Sut. Um, I think he was he, he may have been doing the game, but I do remember it. I remember the big hubbub. Brenly went off the rails with his comments. And you know what? And I would even say this if I wasn't associated with the Padres. You play to win the game. It was 2 nothing. It was That's late. It. Trying to get to the tying run to the plate. That's exactly I, I, what you want to do. And who cares if the guy's throwing a perfect game? When, meh. I That's told the story this week. I was in college in Florida. I, the Padres meant nothing to me at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just a kid on the other side of the country. Obviously, no idea I would end up, ever end up here. But I was a, a baseball nut. And I remember being so annoyed at the Diamondbacks that they were upset. Just as like a kid on the other side, on the other coast, because like, as you said, two nothing, he's bringing the tying run to the plate and you got a home run hitter coming up next on top of all of that. So it it just always kind of annoyed me that people were, were bothered by it. He's in a groove, right? Disrupt the timing. That's what you're supposed to do. But the bottom line is trying to win the game, Donnie, get that tying run up to the plate and Ben Davis broke it up. I actually saw it in the minor leagues, and it was a couple guys that we know and a former Padre involved. Uh, Okay, so doubleheaders, you play the seven innings thing, which they're actually talking about now, I guess, uh, for us in the major leagues at some point if they try to shove in more games. But anyway, you know, seven-inning drill. It was uh, Steve Sparks, who is the Mm. Houston Astros analyst, was throwing a no-hitter with his knuckleball, Mm. and it was the uh, top of the seventh inning. And uh, David Eckstein, former Padre, dropped down a bunt to break it up. And he did break it up with a bunt down the third base line. And they spent the rest of the series throwing at him behind him. Uh, it was unbelievable for a triple a uh, breaking up of a no hitter in a seven inning, no hitter at that, which I think is a little bit of a, you know, that's a questionable no hitter in my mind. Cause there's two fewer innings, you know, sure. they're just doing the math, Less. Uh, but it, it was, a, yeah, it was a little questionable, but still, they were still trying to get him the rest of the series. And there were three games left in the series. I was in Toledo, Mud hands, and I believe at first base was Tony Clark. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah, I, I think a seven-inning no-hitter, is there has to be an asterisk next to it, maybe. Yeah, I have one of those. Paxton Crawford threw a seven-inning uh, no-hitter, and it, it it counts for some reason. I, I mean, I mean a, a complete game is a complete game is the right. other argument. I, we all understand, obviously, that it doesn't feel quite right, but like sure. no. green-shortened game, it's you get a complete game for that if you're a starting pitcher. You know, if the game goes five. Yeah. Muddy look deep in thought. No, I just, you know what? If if that happened to me personally, to where I threw five innings of no-hit baseball and it was rain short, I would kind of feel like. <laughs> but in the book. Celebrate? I, you know what? I would play it off my whole career like it would be uh, like the, the phony no-hitter. The yeah. um, That's the way I would, that's the way I would run with it. Yeah, I wouldn't be but walking in around. the record books. I wouldn't be walking around saying, "Oh yeah, I threw a no hitter." Oh yeah, I <laughs> took a discount around. no hitter. Five, you know, five innings, five frames. <laughs> What's that, Donnie? I'd be jumping around, going crazy. <laughs> Champagne in the clubhouse afterward. <laughs> <laughs> no hitters, no hitter. Uh, that's great. Uh, so anyway, we figured we might as well have Ben on to let him tell sure. his side of it, so to speak. Although we are obviously on his side, but to uh, talk about it. Also, some other great stuff. He's an analyst now uh, for the Phillies. He grew up in that area. Uh, second overall pick by the Padres uh, when he was drafted. So good chance to catch up with former Padre and current Philadelphia Philly TV analyst, Ben Davis. <laughs> All right, Ben, we've been talking about you all week. So uh, great to see your face, first of all. Glad uh, you and your family are healthy and, and hanging in there best you can uh, like the rest of us. How sick of you are talking uh, about that that one base hit of all the things you did in your baseball career, that, that one hit in that one game? Yeah, it's hard to believe all these years have gone by, and I guess it's better to be known for, for something than nothing at all. But uh, it's, it's amazing how many people still bring it up. It's amazing how uh, it's just – 
you know, still in the back of everyone's mind. And, and I guess this week it really came to the forefront again, uh, despite having, was it 19 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever it was. Uh, but it's just, it's really hard to believe, but uh, you know, Kurt was just, he was just so good that night. And um, it was my third at bat. And I think I hit the nail on the head afterwards when all the reporters were asking me like why I did it. And I said, did you see my first two at bats? <laughs> I wasn't going to get a hit swinging. That's for sure. So, uh, it, it, you know, it worked out for me. Um, you know, obviously I brought the time right at home plate, but, uh, some folks liked it. Some folks didn't, but I know I came back in the next inning and they were giving me all kinds of grief on the other side. And I went and sought after the advice of Tony and Tony Gwynn. And I sat down next to him and said, T, did I do something wrong? And he's like, man, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You did nothing wrong. So I knew if he said it was okay, then it was okay. Well, that's a great story about uh, at what point like did that enter your mind as something to do was it on deck circle was it before the inning was it when you got into the box was it after your previous at bat uh it was probably it was after my my second at bat I'm thinking to myself man this he just had it rolling that night and everything he did I mean he was geeking it in that spot from 60 feet six inches away um you know the splitter was good and and I I came up I was on deck and I'm thinking if Jay Bell sits back on here sits back on me here I, I might try and bring one with me and he hung me at just it's like a get me over curveball and I just it wasn't the best spot but all I knew is if I got it past Kurt I was I was free and clear and I got it past him and um the rest is history it very much is. All right. That's one of a handful of things, certainly, that people remember about you. It's not the only one. <laughs> one of the others I know here in town, because we hear it from uh, fans often, was the infamous beach commercial. Uh, and <laughs> I could just see your reaction now, and I love it. Take take us back to that particular moment. Well, I was just told to be down on the beach, and they brought my, I think it was my BP top, um, to, to the beach. And we did, I think we taped one commercial prior to that. And then... They said, all right, this is what we're going to do. You're going to be running down and now we're going to have all these people fly. I'm like, really? Like, this is really? And that's that's what happened. Um, and I remember running down the beach and thinking to myself, man, we're not in <laughs> we're not in southeast Pennsylvania anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, uh, it was the worst part about that whole thing, Jesse, was uh, we had come. I think we were in Philly like. I think it was maybe a week or two weeks after that. And the Philadelphia Daily News ran it on the back page here in, in town. And, you know, me being a young player, they plastered it all over the clubhouse at Veterans Stadium, all over. I, as soon as I walked down, I mean, it was up and down the tunnels. It was it was everywhere. I still don't know who was behind that. I think it may have been Phil Nevin, but I'm not quite sure. But they Xeroxed so many copies and it was just plastered everywhere. But uh, such is life. <laughs> We'll have to uh, we'll have to launch an investigation into that. I, yeah. I imagine at this point someone might be proud to take uh, responsibility for that. We've been yeah. talking a little bit about the draft that's coming up. Obviously, it's going to be very very different this year. You're you're a, a high pick, second overall by the Padres at a high school as you mentioned, uh, home in southeastern PA. What would you tell guys who are drafted super high? It's always such an interesting thing and different perhaps for a high school kid than a college kid. But you know, from your experiences, everything you went through, the ups and the downs that that everybody has. What would you say to those guys who are going to be taken, you know, right near the top of the thing? Uh, I would tell them, you know, if you do get drafted that high, uh, you're going to get shipped off to the minor leagues and just realize that you're just like every other minor leaguer. If you don't put up numbers, you won't go to the big leagues. That's the bottom line. And that's the way I kind of wanted to look at it because I'm thinking, okay, I'm just like everybody else. I sign, I go to Idaho Falls and the Pioneer League. There, there I am just, you know, 18 year old kid with 24 other guys um, you know, half of which didn't even speak English. And it was a different, I mean, it's, it's tough for an 18 year old to get into something like that, but it's something I've wanted to do my whole life. But I would just tell them, Hey, it, just think of yourself. I don't care how much money you get. Just think of yourself as just another minor leaguer, because if you don't put up those numbers, you just will not move through the system and reach your ultimate goal. And that's playing in the big leagues. Sounds like uh, in the big leagues this year, if there is a season, the Padres and the Phillies won't be getting together uh, in the regular season. This uh, geographic plan, as we understand, is kind of the latest thing, but still interested, obviously, in the season, you know, from last year, Bryce Harper, year one in Philadelphia. We got to see the show up close in person. I think he had a walk off grand slam the night before the Padre Philly game there. I remember watching it on TV in the hotel. Uh, just what that whole experience was like last year in terms of the way the city did or did not embrace him and, and how it looks going forward. Well, I'll tell you right now, the city absolutely loved what he did in his first season. He did everything. It started when he when he signed and he came down to Clearwater. He was well informed about everything about Philadelphia from cheesesteaks to whatever. He was really well informed. He, he, he just he got it. 
instantaneously he got it and obviously everyone knows this is a blue collar town they like hustle they like guys that that play hard for him every day and that's exactly what Bryce did uh he was dirty every game head to toe and he really I thought he had a very very good season there's a lot going on I mean obviously he signs that huge deal 13-year deal 330 million dollars he's moved to a new city his wife is they're expecting their first child uh all these different surroundings and he handled it with class and uh you know the city is very happy to have him all right, good stuff. Uh, major Major League debut, of course, with the Padres. That one game in 98, a couple of very nice seasons here in San Diego before going on to Seattle. You guys are the Mariners in 02. They're coming off that great year, obviously, in 01. Uh, what was uh, that experience like kind of jumping into that, you know, changing teams for the first time in your pro career? Well, it was it was tough for me because the Padres were the only team I knew. Um, they were they were my family. All these guys that I came up with, um, they were just they were, they were part of, of, of me and, and part of my, my livelihood. Um, and I thought I was kind of solidifying myself there in San Diego. I had just I'd come off my best season in 2001. I caught 130 games, I think it was. Um, and here I am at 24 years old thinking, okay, I, maybe I can put down some roots here and stay here. Um, and then I get a, a phone call that December and saying, you're shipped off to Seattle. And it was it, it kind of hurt at first. And then you kind of realize, hey, it is more of a business than anything. But uh, Seattle was a great city. I loved my time up there. The weather, despite what everyone says, the weather in the summertime up there is absolutely gorgeous. That ballpark is was at the time. I mean, obviously, it's it's you're getting a little older now, but it still has the, the different nuances the the retractable roof. It was an awesome place to play. The, the surface was really nice. And uh, it was it was a fun time there. And then, of course, I get traded again to Chicago a couple of years after that. So. Uh, you do realize it is part of a business, but uh, I love my time in San Diego. I loved everything about it and met some lifelong friendships and guys I still stay in touch with today. I got one more Seattle question for you. I agree on the ballpark, by the way. I got a top three every time anybody asks me mm-hmm. in, in whatever order I put it in there. Uh, but it, the ball does not carry particularly well there. No. Uh, and and you told me a story, I think during a rain delay in Philly a couple of years ago, uh, which is one of the, the funniest things I, I've ever heard from a player, just in terms of like the whole 360 degrees of the story. So if you don't mind uh, retelling the story for everybody today. <laughs> well, I, I was in the box and we were playing Texas. And uh, this is Alex Rodriguez's first year with the Rangers. He signs that huge deal. Um, obviously the biggest of all time. And, uh, I remember being in the box and I got into one pretty good. I didn't hit a lot of home runs, but when I hit them, they, they seem to go pretty good. And uh, I hit this ball and I kind of, I wouldn't say I, you know, I walked off slowly, but I thought I had definitely had enough of it to get it out. And I just kind of started to walk out of the box. And all of a sudden I see the wall and it's like, <laughs> It's the bottom of the wall. I'm like, oh no! And me, everyone that watched me play knew I wasn't the fleetest of foot. So I'm, I'm running, I'm running. I'm new to Lupinello would be all over me if I didn't get this at least the second base. So I did a head first into second base, and Alex Rodriguez was playing shortstop. I threw the ball in from right center field, and he grabs it and he just whams me right on top of the head. And I looked up and I said, Yo, Al, what are you doing? He goes, you think you got that one, huh? I said, yeah, I thought I got it. He goes, that's why I left. <laughs> so rumor has it that they, when they had the dimensions set up, they were still at the old kingdom, but they had the dimensions set up. They had home plate set up. They had Edgar Martinez, Alex Rodriguez, and Ken Griffey Jr. go over, and they took batting practice, and they had a tough time getting it out of there. So Alex decided to, to move onward, and so did Junior. So uh, never got to play with those guys in Seattle, but obviously played against them. Oh, that's a great story. Great to see you, Ben. Uh, appreciate it. It's, you know, I've said this to a few of the, uh, the fellow announcers we've had on over the course of the last couple months here. It's nice for me selfishly just to like see your guys' faces and chat a little bit like we do at the game. So uh, thanks for doing it. Uh, continue to take care of yourself and your family. Stay healthy and uh, as sane as possible. Will do, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. Hello to everybody in San Diego. Miss you guys. All right, Ben Davis, the uh, former Padre, now at the Phillies as a TV analyst back home, bringing uh, our TV crew again, Don and Mud. Uh, I love the the Kurt Schilling stuff. I think it's kind of interesting and fun to kick around. But Mudcat, I mean, it seems like the the biggest reaction from anything he did there was his Tony Gwynn impression. Very solid from the bench. (laughs) Ah, Fewer voice, fewer sound. Yeah, I know. Very, very good impression of Tony Gwynn. And the one thing I remember about Ben is that uh, he took a lot of flack because uh, I, I guess Ben would even be the first one to say, you know, spend a lot of time in the mirror, um, being, being the, the good looking dude that he is and tighter pants, by the way, tighter Jersey than Ben Davis. Uh, I mean, the guy's about six, four, six, five, however tall he is. And I always remember him in the dugout prior to BP, he'd have his catcher's gear out there and he would be polishing and cleaning his shin guards. I mean, they had a sheen 
and they had a shine on them that was just it, I mean it was like a mirror his 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 equipment was immaculate it was impeccable it was just it was it was great looking and um the the, the kid was a spe- <laughs> he was a great kid too fun to be around great impression too of Tony Gwynn very solid. All right. So that's the uh, the Ben Davis report uh, as uh, we look back at an interesting and kind of, uh, I think, noteworthy, fun chapter in Padre history. Mentioned no Boston Marathon this year. Uh, another piece of negative, if you will, news coming out about sports. Uh, KBO, which we're following closely, the Korean baseball organization, uh, they had hoped to get fans in the ballpark uh, soon, uh, as early as the beginning of June. They're putting that, that plan aside. They've had a little bit of a spike in South Korea uh, with COVID-19, so they're going to they're gonna delay that. Inevita for as long as they need to, I guess. They didn't put any dates on it, uh, but they were going to try and start having fans in the yard the first week of June. They're pushing that back again as long as they need to. Uh, so from that news in the KBO into our KBO sadness report, our nightly check-in on the KT Wiz, the team we have adopted. Um, I, I've been calling it the KBO sadness report because they've had this horrendous string of just awful losses. But actually, they won again last night, uh, 6-5 over Matt Williams' Kia Tigers. Sorry about it. Uh, took two out of three in that series. <laughs> Bullpen did a good job last night in a 6-5 victory over the Tigers. Uh, our Wiz are now 9-11, and 11, guys, on the season. And uh, they'll open up a weekend series on the road tonight against the Kiwoom Heroes, who have lost four consecutive games. Don, we talked about this yesterday. Odrisamer Despagne is perhaps having as good of a season as any starting pitcher in the league right now. Uh, eight shutout innings in his last start a couple of nights ago. And uh, Bob Scanlon on yesterday's show says he's talking to scouts who say Despagne all of a sudden is like a hot name back here. Because of That's what he's amazing. accomplishing there. That's kind of like a whole remarkable subset of things happening with all eyes on Korea right now. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. You know, I wonder if any other year if that had happened, though, whether or not he would be getting uh, people interested in him. But because it is the only focus right now of everybody watching baseball, it's the only baseball you can watch, um, you know, especially with ESPN's commitment to them this year, that, you know, there's going to be some guys that get jobs out of this. You know, that's the thing of this, which is great for them. It's given them an opportunity, a venue to go there. And we talked earlier in one of the previous shows about how big it is uh, for some former major league players to go over there. How much is expected? How much pressure is on those guys uh, to kind of take over the team and, and be the star? But uh, it sounds like he's running with this uh, opportunity. You know, guys, I look at the the Korean League and I look at, the uh, Japanese league. Remember Miles Michaelis went over there and came over and had some success. I think it's just the caliber of baseball to where you can pitch well, get your confidence back up and maybe something clicks. It clicked for Miles Michaelis. He said he was more aggressive with his fastball and um, he learned how to hit his spots, whatever. Hence had a great first year coming back here and signed a big deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. So I think, first of all, I don't know how old Audrey Smith Despagne is, but he's going to pitch another 15 years. I, I, I guarantee you that. Why? Because he's got a rubber arm. Uh, he doesn't get rattled. He can chew up some innings, and this is the perfect opportunity for him to go over there, get some innings, and possibly when things get ironed out over here, somebody will. I'll tell you what, somebody will sign him. Somebody who was he will last sign with him. the Marlins. I'm trying to remember who we saw him. These are the White Sox last year. Okay, was it not memorable? Just a couple outings. They didn't go great. Uh, and and yeah, signed with the KBO this offseason. It, I, I'm with you, Mud. Like, the more guys, I guess, will end up getting jobs out of this than in a normal year just yeah. because of the amount of attention being paid. And it's a great thing for the league, they're taking full advantage of it. Uh, you know, from a merchandise, we okay over there? You right? all right? Yeah, right. Butter's <laughs> underneath my desk, and I don't want him to hit my, my power tree cord. Oh, that would be bad. He's good. He's laying by my feet. He's good. I'm sorry, Jesse. No, no, it's fine. Butter's better than anything I got to say. But uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to watch this thing. Yeah, you're right. Michaelis is like the great example from the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. Also, his velo, his velocity on his fastball went up a couple of ticks when he was there, which was kind of an interesting thing. So um, it's it's a global game. MLB has wanted for a long time, you know, to, to put a footprint, as they say, into different places. And, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, the London series last year with the Red Sox and the Yankees and what that's all about. But the, the idea, of course, is if you can generate interest, eventually you can generate talent. And, and that's what we've seen over the long haul with Japan and Korea uh, and Taiwan and, and other places, Australia, where they have professional leagues now. Anyway, 
Interesting stuff. You mentioned ESPN, by the way. Uh, the Wiz, I think, are on ESPN both tonight and tomorrow night. Oh, and good I see- for you. Stay yes, I'm night. very excited. Uh, <laughs> we have two thirty. Don't worry. Um, and and in coordination with that, so they have cheer songs uh, in Korea, like in Japan and and Taiwan. That's a thing where guys have their own songs, like yeah. individualized fight songs. So I guess uh, with the big ESPN telecasts coming up this weekend, uh, the Wiz cheerleaders put together a song for Carl Ravitch of ESPN, <laughs> <laughs> and we've got it for you. So please enjoy. I mean, if that's not the <laughs> the greatest thing great. you've ever seen in your life, I don't know what it is. Don, I don't know who I have to talk to, but we need stuff like this in Major League Baseball. We have to have Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is this is tremendous. That's really good. I saw the one for uh, Eduardo Perez the other day uh, that they did too. That was that was also very good. In fact, it sounded almost exactly the same. So I'm not sure they really they just add Carl Ravage's name. Uh, and replace uh, Edward. Don Orsillo. Uh, 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 uh. uh, it's good. The told, dancing, too. It's, that's yeah, very good. I told you guys when I went to Taiwan um, that they had the cheering sections travel with the team. They would they would set up in the outfield, and they, the, the lead cheerleader would bring a microphone and one of those little speakers and set it up in front of everybody so he could be heard by everybody. And when you came up to the plate, if you were a hitter, they would – cheer for you have your your cheering you know songs or whatever for that particular player if you were pitching when you took the mound in that inning they would you know cheer for you and use your your name and it was pretty it was pretty cool people got into it man they had a lot of fun it was great i love it Uh, and i'm right there with you jesse major league baseball needs to do stuff like that i'm a big fan it's uh, especially with the empty stadiums, you know, it's like the perfect opportunity to just try a little something extra uh, like this. I skipped over something, by the way. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I, I was so excited about the KBO. Uh, we have a cool moment in Padre history that we want to have some fun with. So we'll get back uh, to Korea in just a moment. Uh, but first, uh, Hunter Renfro, of course, traded to Tampa Bay. He provided really some stellar highlights. When you, I think, look back at, at Hunter Renfro and what he accomplished in terms of cool moments uh, in a relatively short period of time, it's it's a pretty good list. And that uh, brings us to our memorable Jack of the Day. Oh, doctor! And he throws that one to left field. That may be up on the top of Western Middle. It is! Oh, my! All the way to the roof of the Western Metal Supply Company. Touch him all! That was this week's memorable Padres Jack, presented by Jack of the Box. Jack of the Box is open and ready to serve you all of your favorites at the drive-thru on the mobile app and with delivery. One lucky fan who checks in on social media during the show tonight will win a Jack Cash card. So let us know you're watching. Roof of the building hmm. is uh, not something that has been accomplished many times. Is he still the only guy who's done it? I think I he might so. be at the top of my head. I think so. Don't throw him a fastball middle in, please. Yeah, Oof. seriously. My goodness. Uh, Don, I, I've heard you say a couple of times the, the the slam against Kenley Jansen is like your your favorite moment so far in your Padre time. It is. You know, I mean, just the whole thing. It was against the Dodgers. It had been a tough series for the Padres. I don't think they'd won a game of that series. They almost swept it. And, you know, just to do it against Jansen and uh, just to walk it off. I mean, that was it was a pretty incredible Sunday uh, for me. I would say that's my favorite home run so far that I've had the chance to call him in my first four seasons here. Really cool. Really cool. All right. I want to get back to KBO. Mudcat, we like to save the umpire stuff for when you're oh, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've seen some great punch outs uh, from the KBO umpires. This is another thing I'm hoping impacts Major League Baseball. I, I would like to see the MLB umpires loosen up a little bit behind the Jazz pole. it up a little bit. Yeah, let's have some fun. It's, it's a throwback thing. At the- <laughs> so we got two new ones that we saw this week. These are punch outs uh, that caught our attention. Uh, this is the first oh, one. That's the Matador. Yeah, that's the Matador. <laughs> I call that one the Matador, or, or yeah, or the Scorpion. Oh, Scorpion, I like. That's really good. Yeah, that's the Scorpion. Oh. 
And then this next one from today, it's a two-parter. So don't give up on it. Part one and the strut. <laughs> Whoa, what is that? <laughs> what is that? Oh my gosh, Whoa. a little che- chest pump. Oh, yeah. That's a strut. Wow. Oh, he does it every time. Oh, man. That's impressive. I like that one. Wow. <laughs> Puffing his chest out. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are those cool dolls in the background? Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> it's a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of creepy. The, uh, the dead-eyed stuffed animals? Yeah, there oh, they my are. God. <laughs> wow. Uh, Okay. Gina, Gina nailed it with the with the second guy. It's like a rooster strut. That's there you go. Exactly. That's a good call. Uh, oh, you know, I said yeah. I want to see more umpires do that in the major leagues. Uh, he's got a fair point. It's not for everyone. It's we can't ask all of these guys to do all of these things. But Bleacher you know, Badger looks very familiar. It's like, <laughs> it's like Enrico Palazzo, right, from uh, Naked Gun, <laughs> Leslie Absolutely. Nielsen. Uh, is Tom Hallion the only one now that has something that really stands out on Strike Three? Is he like the last? Yeah, there it is. He's gonna um, throw his back out one of these. Yeah, days. Frank Pulley had the the punch. Well, well remember, sure. remember we did the umpire thing. There were yeah, no, I'm saying in the game now, active now? guys. Like I'm saying, I think Hallian's the only one that really, really stands out to me. I think so. Yeah, yeah one that's of the old, old school guys. That's unfortunate. Uh, Jesse, how about right. this one? You've always liked this one, Jesse, right? Call third. <laughs> <laughs> that's very simplistic. Out. On the bases. You have to wear a bow tie and a little beanie when you do that, though. (laughs) Good stuff. All right. uh, Let's see. A couple more things before we go. Uh, One other Korean note. Uh, This guy on the Doosan Bears, uh, Jae-Hwan Oh, uh, they've won three of the last five titles. He's been a big part of it. He's a little bit of a different cat, I guess, is what we say. Um, You know, he's one of these guys that gets under everybody's skin. People seem to not like him very much. He, he took a pitch the other day. Yeah, it's stuff like this. He took a pitch the other day and, like, he dropped the bat before. I think it was 3-0. and He dropped the bat before the guy uh, mm-hmm. did anything. Yeah, it's it's one of those. So he's one of those guys, right? Like, he's really good. If he's on your team, you kind of like him because he's got an edge. Uh, he gets under everybody's skins. But he's on the other team, you hate him. So that got me thinking. I want to put together an all-time team of guys you hate on the other team but would love if they were on your team. I got one that comes to mind already, and I played with them. Please, go ahead. Deion Sanders. Interesting. Deion, when Deion came up to the big leagues with the Yankees, remember that scuttlebutt he had with Carlton Fisk at the plate? Yeah. And they almost got into fisticuffs at home plate. Well, I'll tell you what, I was ready to jump through the screen and run and seeing the highlights. You know, what does he think he's doing? What do you mean? You know, everybody's got their own personality. And, you know, I, I, I agree baseball players should show more personality, have some fun with it. And then fast forward to 1991 when I was with the Braves, Deion was with us nicest dude on the team fun to be around team player just i mean i i i disliked him when he was with the yankees now we were teammates in the same clubhouse pretty cool liked him a lot don i got got aj persinski i i I mean it's unbelievable to me uh how many people don't like him and I don't think they even like him on their team, to be honest with you. I mean, that's, a, that's the other thing. I mean, you said that, you, that you, you know, a guy you, you don't like on the other team, but he was on your team, you love him. I, I don't think they liked him either, to be yeah. honest with you. From, uh, a, from a fan I perspective. I love the guy now. I, I He is so cool. I, he just texted me yesterday uh, about this fish situation that I'm going through, and he couldn't be a nicer guy. He's broadcasting now uh, on Fox. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was despised. And I remember him as a player when he was on our team in Boston. And I didn't like him then. Uh, one of the first things he said to me, actually the first thing he said to me when he got on the charter, he looked over at me. He goes, how many Emmys do you have? And I was like, uh, well, local or national? He goes, national. Those are the only kind. And I go, uh, I actually don't have any. He goes, oh, I got three. I was like, wow, that was it. That was the, the extent of our conversation. I'm like, who is this guy? He's been here five minutes. And he's killing me. And now I brought it up. I actually brought it up on the air last year to him. That uh, you remember our first conversation? I mean, he's just not well liked. You just want to punch him in the face like that. Michael Barrett did exactly that. Yeah. Michael Barrett, great dude. <laughs> Michael Barrett was a padre, and I uh, love Michael Barrett, and I, and I loved him even more when <laughs> he did that. <laughs> not afraid. I guess AJ chirped a lot. I guess the yeah. hitters, from what I understand, a lot of chirping to guys. 
and you know a lot of you know we're gonna throw at your neck or you know just something for you to think about while you're in the box you know <laughs> here's uh we did an all-time team these are these are based on twitter replies and don to your credit, Ooh, name i got the most from anybody on twitter um but wow. you know this is unofficial but i, yeah. I like this list Mm. Yeah, uh, Pedroia surprises me a little bit. Um, his was more of a, a a cockiness, but it was more about him. Um, I mean, when you're five foot, whatever he is, they say he's five seven or five eight. I think he's not. I mean, he's not as small as Altuve, but he's right there. And I think he's been told from day one of his life he's never going to play at any level, whether it be Little League or whatever else. So he always had this chip on his shoulder. So I, I guess it came across as arrogance when really it was confidence in himself. Um, and I don't know how many players he rubbed on, probably quite a few uh, in conversations and whatnot. But they, that one surprises me on that list. AJ hmm. does not. Yeah, he got a lot. Um, you know, yeah. Jeter. He's good. Don't worry. If you like Derek Jeter, MLB Network's got you covered this weekend. 64 hours of oh. Derek Jeter nonsense this weekend. I hate him uh, even more now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> What'd you say? I said I hate him even more now. No. <laughs> um, I, I met Derek Jeter one time, and he couldn't have been nicer. Um, yep. Captain number two, and right here he's going to kiss a, a, a seat at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I Damn. actually made that call. Oh, really? Although you'll never hear mine because it was at Yankee Stadium, Michael K's call. But that was in like the 12th inning of a game that John Flash Flaherty, the former uh, Padre catcher, had a walk-off hit in in like the 13th inning of that game. Now, there was a guy on that um, that graphic when we showed the field. Brett Butler played against him. And I, you know, hate's a very strong word. There's the center fielder. But my God, and the reason why I disliked him so much is that because first of all, he, he was a pest. Yeah. He was he was tough to get out. He was tough to pitch to. Didn't strike out a lot. Put the ball in play. You you'd throw a pitch inch and a half off the plate. It's a definitely a ball, and he would take it ball or he followed it off to work another one. So people um, don't like Buster too. That surprised me a little bit. I didn't know yeah, that. Padre no. fans, you know it's it's interesting because there's a different couple of categories here. One are guys that just kick your butt, and so you hate them because of that. Other guys, okay. it's more the Pierzynski kind of edgy Chase Utley thing, you know, that yep. rubs them the wrong way. So I think you could probably go a couple different directions with this. But I, I will say, guys, I think it's one of the ultimate compliments, right? Like you could give a player to, to end up on a list like this because it's it just <laughs> – poor Brett Gardner. Uh, <laughs> I could just watch that <laughs> over and over again. But it's I, I think it is a, like a really big compliment in a way is that, you know, you get under my skin for one reason or another, but boy, would I love to have you on my team. So anyway. See, Manny, Manny doesn't bother me. Talk with Manny, huh? That was sweet. Yeah. yeah. That was sweet with the, in a Dodger uniform. Yeah. This was Manny one of my favorites monster. of all time. Manny thought there was going to be a pitching change. There wasn't. <laughs> it was just uh, Dave Wallace going out there to talk to the pitcher. And for whatever reason, he thought they were going to change pitchers. And he ended up behind the left field fence and missed a, a pitch. <laughs> and I, I was like man here we go bounce around let's go this now this guy bugged me justin turner that, that guy yeah, bugged I, me you know what jersey me halfway weird. open he's got the, the the beard down to his chest and where probably, he stands you know in the box yeah, yeah. And, and justin turner is probably one of the nicest guys out there I'm, I'm sure if i met him i would love him after but talking about what we're talking about yeah he he kind of kind of bugs kind of bugs <laughs> a lot of Padre fans replied with Justin Turner. Uh, all right. So anyway, guys, uh, you hate if they're on the other team, but you would love on their team. Kind of a fun topic to, to knock around. It's National Hamburger Day, by the way. Really? Uh, you guys got to celebrate it this week. Thanks to Hodads. Donnie, set this up for me. Uh, Hodads this week uh, after last week was Barrio Dog. Um, we had a competition last week, and I really felt like last week Mud, Mud came away with the victory. Uh, and really? Donatangelo versus Mike. Yeah, your presentation was better. Uh, I thought yours was cooked better. Um, I, I gave you the win last week, and I, hmm. I'm a little nervous about this week uh, because, unfortunately, I, I I felt like in order to win this week, I had to uh, add something on my own just to spice it up a little bit. So I decided to do my own fries. Uh, the only thing was the fries were not dry. Uh, they were on the wet side, and Ooh. I put them in a vat of oil and almost burned down my house. Perfect. So we had a little mishap here uh, on on Monday night when we did it. So I, I'm not I'm not like my chances very easily could be zero and two at the end of uh, two competitions. Cue the talking heads burning down the house. 
<laughs> One nothing. <laughs> uh, Donna Tangelo versus Chef Mudcat. Ho dads, enjoy. Hey, Friar Faithful, welcome back to another edition of Don versus Mud or Don Tangelo versus Mudcat. We'll see. He won last week, I think. So this week we've got Hodad's, my favorite burger in San Diego. The week two is Hodad's. Last week we had hot dogs, this week hamburgers. We have two patties here. We're doing the double burger with some bacon. We got condiments, mustard, mayo, ketchup. The unboxing here, not as many ingredients as last week. Okay, this week I realized I have to do a little bit extra in order to win this competition. So, in order to do this, I have added something else. I am going to do my own french fries to go along with my Hodad's burger. Okay, well, we threw on the bacon, and we cooked the bacon first, get that going, we've got the patties right here, and then I'm going to toast the buns a little bit as well. So, uh, this is, uh, well, it's really smoky. All right, oil is ready, optimal temperature. Fries have been cut, ready to go. Everybody in the pool. Everybody in the pool. We got a three alarm fire here with the fan going. Now we're gonna throw the patties on. These are good sized patties. And they're not those little ones, right? You can have a hamburger. You got some meat thrown on that grill. As we're waiting for the burgers to cook, I can only imagine what Donna Tangelo's wearing right now. I wore a regular shirt. Yeah, our first one. Our Dad burgers are officially on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Time for the cheese. Slap some cheese on there. Oh, yeah. We got the finished product. We've gone with cheese on two sides. Pickles, a little bit of onion, a little bit of lettuce, uh, mustard, ketchup, and the potential house fire fries are complete, ready to go. Thanks very much, Hodads. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Showed you the finished product a little bit ago, but we have to check this out. Oh, yeah. Now we get some kind of nice... Double bacon cheeseburger from Hodad's. It's like a big Pac-Man coming to get you. Waka 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 waka. Hodad's Ocean Beach in downtown locations. Currently open for takeout only. Visit hodaddies.com for full information and to get your Hodad's burger fix. I am hungry now. Very, very hungry. Don, I thought you were kidding about the fries. That looked like it was very no. nearly an emergency. I had to cut the, the camera at that point because I had to deal with the situation. We had oil going everywhere, flames. It got ugly. I probably should have kept it rolling. It might have helped, but it, it was really, it was kind of scary. It just, That was very scary. By the way, did you cut those fries from raw potatoes? Yes, I did. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. I that. So I thought that may help. I was trying to do a little extra something, and then I you, almost burnt my house down. Do you have the machine that you put it in? It goes. <laughs> I do. Do you? Wow. Really? wow. And it comes out like that. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Don is the guy. He's the um, he's the big time mechanic who's got the the great toolbox. <laughs> I am the guy who like cooks with band aids and duct tape. <laughs> Don is it. like a full time <laughs> chef, I, and I love that stuff. No. I, I have two stuff. settings on that too. One is the steak fries, which that was, and then they have the shoestring fries. Uh, and I went, you know, I went with the big ones, and that's what I think led to the possible fire. Yeah. Both you guys, favorite kind of French fry? You, you mean from a like the shape, size, all that kind of stuff? Your oh, like, your perfect French fry is what? Is uh, McDonald's? <laughs> I like Chris cut fries. <laughs> Chris cut. Chris cut. You know the ones that are kind of like you know the I'm saying they're kind of oh, like circular the and they're they're kind of. Like that waffle fries, waffle uh, fries, waffle fries. Okay, just curious. Yeah. And how do you like your? How burgers? about you, Jesse? What's that? Fries. How about you? Probably thin. Thin yeah. and crispy. 
thin and crispy. Yeah, that's yeah. me. Waffle fries are good. A lot. Waffle fries are good for dipping. A lot of surface area. Yeah. You get a good yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of Hodads, this is cool. You know, we're doing this in conjunction with the different, uh, you know, wonderful ballpark uh, food friends we have open for takeout, powered by Bud Light. And this past week, Ryan Savino from Ocean Beach was the uh, lucky fan who received some Hodad. Oh, wow. now, those are French fries and rings, my friends. That's uh, that's wow. the way it looks. The real deal from Hodads. Uh, glad Ryan and his family able to enjoy. Excellent presentation, I got to say, from Ryan. Maybe better than either one of your guys. Yeah, I would say so, actually. <laughs> you know what? If that's it in front of me and I've got to pick one or the other, obviously I'm going for the burger, but I'm going with the onion rings. I am a huge fan of onion rings. So good. Those look really good. Yeah, they do. Right. We got to move this along because I'm like super hungry right now. So uh, let's see. Fox Sports San Diego has a classic Padre game coming up in 26 minutes. That's the perfect amount of time to grab a quick bite and then watch some TV. Oh, of all the near no hitters in Padre history mud, uh, this one is way up there. Uh, Chris Young against the Pirates at Petco. This is a night where I thought I would have I would have banked on the no hitter. Uh, Chris Young was not a throw, hard thrower, but he um, he you know he came right out of the back of his hat, and a lot of guys were off that night. And every time you see a possible no hitter, you see a great play. After that play, Ben Johnson in left field. You know, guys, you've witnessed no hitters. You see a great play, and they make the play for the out to to keep it intact. And you're like, this is the night, especially after a hit like that. And it wasn't Topeka's Joe Randa, I believe, right? Came up and hit the home run to break it up. Joe Randa, the joker. This is it, I think, right? Straightaway center field. Ah, gone. No hitter? No, not tonight. Not tonight. So, Chris, this is a great story. I forget who wrote it, so my apologies. Uh, last year, I think maybe around the anniversary of this game, I guess they saw each other at breakfast the next morning or something like that. Chris Young and Joe Randa, kind of a neat story about like the, the conversation. So anyway, that's uh, coming up tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. You can check that out. And, of course, tomorrow is Friar Friday. You guys got the big uh, game on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, more interleague play. Is that correct, Don? That is. Seattle Mariners should be a good one. Looking forward to it a lot. I think uh, the Padres are home again, and uh, we have not lost yet on a <laughs> Friar Friday. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to lose. We're we're rolling. Keep the streak alive. Keep yeah, the, the Vetter Cup continues. It's you got to keep your hands on that Vetter Cup. Uh, you don't want to relinquish it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I'll say this too, guys. Um, that's really hard to do, and you've done an excellent job. Like, they've been very entertaining and fun to watch, and awesome. Thank you. And, and Thanks, I know guys. how difficult that is. Uh, it's not the same by any stretch of the imagination as doing a game. No. And uh, but they've been great, great work. <laughs> Thank you. Very well, you much. got the pointer out there, Mudley. Yeah, it's kind of like my go-to whenever I need something to you know. Just it's kind of like my whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a whoopee. It's time to give up the whoopee, Timmy. <laughs> Mr. Mom. Next thing you know, you'll be strung out in blankets. <laughs> and then you're out on the street pushing quilts. It's time what to give it up. That's <laughs> eyewash. <laughs> Cue the eyewash. That's awesome. Mr. Mom, 1983. So that's, uh, for you, fairly modern. That's <laughs> Great movie. In fact, you know what? If I give homework to the Friar Faithful watching, thank you. First of all, thank you for watching and all the comments. It's great. Homework. Mr. Mom, watch it. See what we can do. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy your weekends. Uh, Don, good luck on the water tomorrow. Catch some fish. Yeah, you? I got to catch something. Hey, Don, something. Can you, yeah, keep us posted. Hey, I will. Good, I'll let good you Good luck know. tomorrow on the waters. Thanks, man. I need something. Anything. Yeah, little fish. Thanks, these guys. There's plenty of fish in the sea, literally. Nice right job, there. Jesse. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, appreciate job, it. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Yeah, we'll talk to you, uh, Monday, Friar, Friday, uh, Friar Friday tomorrow with these guys at 530.